named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell um, from Love to Move. Uh, yet again, I'm not joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. He is enjoying a little bit of family time following the birth of his daughter 10 days ago. He did get a lot of messages of thanks, uh, thanks, <laughs> messages of congratulations. So he's asked me to pass his thanks on um, to all the listeners to uh, who reached out to him. So my original plan with the podcast was probably to have a couple of weeks off um, with, with Sam taking some time. But I was having a chat with our guest today and thought actually it would be a p- the perfect idea to share that with our, our listeners. And admittedly, our original chat included some references to Love to Move and Home Search. We'll try and keep that out of the podcast. Um, and I'm not necessarily going to introduce the tape to today's guest the same way that Sam would do because I don't want to take his role. He'll be very upset when he gets back if I have done so. Um, so he's been here before, Simon Gates. It was 54 episodes ago that you were with us. You've changed your role a little bit from helping clients sell houses to actually helping agents help more clients. Simon Gates, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Mark. You've, um, you've had some big time guests on since I appeared very early on in the, in the podcast. So <laughs> pleasure to be back. I'm on episode nine so that's yeah over over a year ago things have changed a little bit there but before we go into into that we've been talking quite a lot of football in recent weeks haven't we and I don't reckon it's still too long ago to talk about the Merseyside derby and how you as, as a Liverpool fan will be disappointed I've seen loads of Liverpool fans mourning on social media anyone would think that Virgil van Dijk has, has gone to another realm are you are you still upset Simon or are you over it um, well, we've won two games from two since he's been injured, so um, I'm probably tempting fate saying that. Um, but yeah, not good for him being injured with how awesome he is. But Fabinho's done well, um, and I'd probably, I'd probably be more upset you asking that question if you'd asked me this before the weekend when you lost to Southampton. So I feel a little bit better. Now. <laughs> yeah, we should. We, we originally had this in to, re- to record this on. <laughs> On Friday, um, and maybe I should maybe maybe we shouldn't have moved it anyway. Um, so, as I said, th- we weren't planning to put an episode out this week, but we just ended up having a chat last week, and I thought it would be perfect for our for our listeners. Um, our chat was all about our opinions on on the perfect marketing appraisal. Um, I think it's probably going to be a very much um, conversation back and forth between us of how we think agents can nail that first in, in impression get more instructions and to start with um, talk me through Simon from when you were an agent um, talk me through the process you think you did well within the office and you maybe the process that you think agents should go through from the very first moment of answering the telephone call and somebody saying hi I want to book evaluation because that, for me that's where it all starts yeah 100% that that first phone call that you take you can, you, I genuinely think you can win or lose the appraisal in that phone call. Because um, let's think on average, 
people are maybe thinking of getting two or three estate agents out. And if you're the agent wanting to try and charge a higher fee, every single part of that process pre, during, post vow has to be amazing. Otherwise they'll see a chink in your armor and go, well, I'm not going to pay you half a percent more or 1% more because you're just like the other agent down the road. Um, I, I, I find that I think a lot of appraisals get booked like it's a pizza order being taken. I know it sounds very blunt, <laughs> but there's no, there's no relationship being built there. Um, and something Sam actually said in one of our team sessions a few weeks ago, and I probably won't get it 100% right, because as we both know, he's very articulated in the way he conducts uh, <laughs> himself. But he said, see that phone call as furthering the relationship and bring you one step closer to getting the house on the market, not booking a market appraisal. And I really sat up in my chair when he said that and was like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. And that's really powerful. Because if you're just booking it as an appraisal, there's no relationship, there's no rapport. It's, you know, it's just like every other appraisal you're booking, you do it every day. Whereas that homeowner doesn't move, you know, for a decade or two, they've got to come away from that phone call, even if it's five minutes going, wow. Like there was such a difference between speaking to Mark than there was speaking to Simon, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And you are right. I think that phone call can win or lose an instruction, but probably more on the negative. If you are not on the ball at that phone call, then I think you've got more, more chance of messing it up. I think that phone call is an invitation to get to the next step. If you can wow on that phone call, then it will help. It's not the be all and end all, but you could certainly mess it up if you, you know, put them on hold and leave them for a minute. You know, if that was me, if that was me, I'd hang up. It's about picking the phone up quickly. All of those basic um, estate agency um, traits that we're taught, they've, they've got to do, they've got to take control of the call. They've got to um, ask good questions within, within that, that call. And I really like that, you know, like ordering a pizza, we do it every day, but the person on the other end of the phone does it maybe once every 15 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what was, Sorry, go on, Mark. Sorry, Sorry. Simon. What, what, what was your process? Um, talk me through the sort of practicalities of it. Did you um, have a specific process that every single member of your team when you were working in agency that they had to go through? Yeah, there was, there was a few things, particularly in the past couple of years, which, um, which would change, change. I'd done a lot of training, reading, learning, et cetera, to try and really drill down that process. Um, and I could actually tell when I turned up on a market appraisal, it sounds really weird, but I could tell who in the office had booked that market appraisal. <laughs> when, I'd, when I'd print off the form and I'd be going out on that appraisal, I'd be sitting in the living room setting an agenda and I'm kind of going one step ahead here. But I'm reading the notes, you know, how long they've lived there, um, why they're moving, first names, et cetera, et cetera. I'll be like, well, I know such and such booked that. And then there's another one I turn up and it, it just says it's a three-bed semi. And I'm like, okay, well, I know who booked that one. And if I looked back again at the, at the appraisals, which I converted more and got better fees on, it's where the other people had helped me out. So going back a step, it was how every part of the process is really, really important. So in terms of an example, um, I, had a I had some training and we used to just answer the phone and let's just say, uh, let's just use home search as an example. But, you know, it used to be good morning home search. That would be it. Whereas all of a sudden, someone said, well, where's the verbal handshake? They don't know who you are. So all of a sudden, it was good morning, home search, Simon speaking. 
and the amount of people who used to go, oh, hi, Simon, uh, my name's Mark. And I'm like, hello, Mark, how are you doing? So people, when you say your name, people tend to respond back with their name. So immediately yep. that verbal handshake at the start of the phone call has given you a report of having their name. So that was a really simple step for us. Um, and just asking open questions, you know, starting with the soft ones, um, which would in turn leading to the more perhaps difficult questions, the blunt ones, why are you moving? Um, obviously yeah. not say it that blunt, but setting it like that was, was really, really powerful. And, and using people's names, not all the time, but a couple of times throughout the call, repeating back to them what they've said. So you're just confirming what they've discussed was, was very, very powerful for me, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think that, that first call, as with any sales call, one of the big things that the person within the office can do is take control of that call. Because as agents, I've always thought that you know, the more information we can get, the better advice that we can give clients. And I don't think there's anything wrong with telling your clients that in the very first few minutes of the call. So a client rings up, hi, can I, can I book a valuation? Um, and the clients will always refer to it as a valuation, whether we refer to, refer to it as a marketing appraisal or a marketing meeting, they want the valuation, so that's what they will say. And my response is always, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'm just gonna grab a, a few details from you. There are you know, a number of questions that we've, we've got to ask, so it's gonna take you know, probably five minutes plus is, is now the best time to do that. Very rarely when they've rang you do they say no, but actually what you're doing is you're saying, I need your attention for this amount of time because I'm gonna ask all of these questions because We've all been in the office, no doubt, where we've been trying to run through the typical amount of questions that we want, the more information. And the person on the other end of the phone is getting, well, to put it bluntly, pissed off because you're asking them question after question. So in the same way that you mentioned there, we'll come to setting the agenda when you're sat in the um, lounge. I think it's really important at the start of that, very start of that relationship, you take control of the call and you say, right, this is what I need to do. And the reason why is because I want to give you the best advice possible. So I think that's a really important, important I, part of it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, the whole letting them know at the start of the call how long it's going to take. Um, and it leads nicely into when you're on that market appraisal because uh, in my early days of appraising properties and you perhaps haven't had the, the training, um, you'd walk in and they'd go, right, should we start upstairs? Why do people say that on an appraisal? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird or they're like oh should we go start out in the garden um but once you actually do some training some learning etc you then know right if i've taken control on that phone call like you just pointed out you then you know knocking on the door walking through and saying right i'd love to start by just sitting down in your living room and having a chat with you for five minutes like we said on the phone so you've told them on the phone when booking the appraisal what to expect so again if two or three agents have gone out and you're the only one who offers to take the shoes off or does actually take their shoes off, yeah. sits down in the living room, has a chat with them, they're going to be going, everything is different. Like every step of this process has been different. I, I actually spoke to an agent recently who's just starting up and they, would, they decided that they'll record a video before each appraisal. Um, so record yeah. a video on Vidyard and bit, bit tongue-in-cheek really it's going to be a bit awkward at the moment with, with covid and booking appraisals and pp and whatnot he's just going to record a 30 second video going hi mark it's simon here from home search really looking forward to meeting you at three o'clock tomorrow i just thought i'd record this video so you recognize me without a face mask on and i was like yeah that's really good <laughs> yeah because you'll turn up the next day knock on the door and go oh, look got my face mask on whatever um and it just i think it it breaks the ice and it shows that you know the agent recognizes what's going on in the world at the moment um, and that they're 
COVID safe, basically, I would say, because that's an important thing, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And the, those, it's about it's about standing out. You you mentioned before they're probably having two or three valuations, and the way that we stand out, in my opinion, is not about being a hundred percent better in one aspect. It's being one percent better in a hundred different aspects. So um, there's loads of little things that we've got there. Can I just ask, when you were in the office, when you were taking down the information, what sort of questions? would you ask the client and how would you typically record that information? I've been speaking to a lot of our agents recently. Do you use a paper form? Does it go straight on the computer? So I'm interested um, to hear some examples of good questions in your opinion and also whether you had a formal process for recording the information or whether it went on someone's pad and was that maybe the reason for um, the difference in, in quality of information you got? I 100% of the time would always write it down on a pad um, because it feels less, um, I don't know if regimented is the right word, but um, it doesn't feel like you're reading from a script, basically. On a CRM system, it's like, what's your name? What's your address? How many bedrooms? Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. So it just be, understand how the other people um, are speaking on the phone um, and lean into it that way. You'll get an understanding. Like you said earlier, someone, you think, okay, they want to be off, off the phone in a couple of minutes. So you're kind of going through it quite sharpish, you know, get the relevant details that you need to. And then there are other ones where you think, actually, they love to have a chat for 10, 15 minutes. I can do that and set that amazing impression. Um, so it's a simple open questions, you know, um, maybe a bit cheeky, but I used to say, who recommended us to you? So do we. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. Um, first and, question, one of the first questions we ask. And it, it's great though, isn't it? Because when they say, we didn't come recommended. Okay, that's really interesting because most of our business is recommended. How did you hear about us then? Um, and a lot Absolutely of the, right. and a lot of the time it was they'd had direct mail, they'd seen our boards or the Google reviews, and it was always those things. So it was really nice when they'd say those sorts in Google reviews, so you know that they want a decent service. It's not just about price and fee, um, things like that. Yeah. Really, so you know what kind of client avatar they are, um, and then things like you know how long have you lived at the property for? Um, what's prompting the move, what research have you done so far? Um, and then there's certain stats and figures I would have, um, little plug there, um, that would enable me to have a more in-depth conversation last year, which in turn helped me increase my conversion rate. So I felt like I'd set a better scenario when going into that appraisal. So things like, oh, did you know the average value on your street was roughly X? How does that compare to yours? And we both know what it's like. Everyone listening will know what it's like. It's like getting blood from a stone when trying to get out of someone what they kind of think the price of their house is because they think you're just trying to get that information to agree with them and win the business. But actually, it was a genuine, but the average price on your streets is around 300. What do you make of that? So you're getting their opinion on price without directly speaking about their particular property. Um, and I used to get yeah. some great responses from that. So that was really, really powerful for me, I would say. Um, I think that was. Go on, Mark. Sorry. That was one of the things in our in our conversation, and I know we said at the start we would try not to 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 plug. Sam would be, you know, very upset if you plugged home <laughs> in this. <laughs> but um, I I do think this is a really valid point, Sam, because when we had this conversation last week, that was one of the things that made me think actually, ah, that is, that is a really good point. So um, I'll say it because you probably won't. But our conversation, you said that when you 
took a call for evaluation, you had home search open. So then you could have those types of conversations just by putting the postcode in whilst they're talking to you and you're having this nice open conversation. You can say things like, oh, there's been three houses sold in your road over the last 12 months, haven't there? And then they'll start telling you the stories about why number 12 sold um, for cheaper than they think theirs is worth. And I think actually... Um, it's something I then passed on to our team here um, because I think that's really powerful. It shows you, you're not going to be able to do it every call, obviously, depending on the type of client, but it shows you to be, you know, the, the source of knowledge in the industry. They don't know that you've got that from, you know, a very clever computer program that you've got open on your, um, on your computer, but actually it stands you away and they'll get off that phone call and say, God, he doesn't he know the market? Yeah. He knew yeah. that, you know, he knew he knew that the Benson's at number twelve sold last year and this price and, and that price. So I think that was a, a really valid point. I think you're allowed to plug there to be fair. Um so in that's how you would talk about price expectations by talking about previous sales. Yeah, another uh, another way of in terms of price expectations, which was really powerful for me last year because again the blood out the stone cliche of you say to someone at the start of the appraisal what research have you done so far absolutely none i haven't looked at anything and then you deliver price or you consult with them on price and they go oh no the other agent told me much more than that and you're like i thought you hadn't done any research so (laughs) for me what i used to do prior to the appraisal and i didn't do part of this enough but again it goes back to looking at which ones you convert and get the best fees on I covered quite a small area. So when, the, when an appraisal was booked, I'd hand deliver uh, a pre-appraisal letter with a presenter um, and put it through their door. And again, when I'd look back at asking people, I'd always ask, why have I won the business? Why have I lost the business? And it's those marginal gains that you said about earlier, Mark, where someone would say, you're the only one who actually hand delivered a pre-appraisal letter. No one else even confirmed the appointment in writing or by email. So you literally, a few hours after the appraisal, uh, sorry, a few hours after the phone call, I had a letter through my, my door. And they're like, that blew me away of thinking, if that's the kind of service you're providing now, what can we expect further down the line? Uh, but in terms of price as well, I used to send an email out. So let's say I was coming to see you, um, what are we to today, Tuesday? Let's say I was coming to see you Friday morning and you booked the appraisal today. I'd email you um, with some information, which doesn't necessarily give a price, but it, it gives you an idea of where the property is in the market. And I could then say to them on that appraisal, what did you think of the information I sent over? So again, it was a nice icebreaker because you know they've had it, you know they've looked at it and they might go, well, those properties on there, they're a bit, they're a bit less than what I thought. And again, that music to my ears last year, I was going, brilliant. Why do you think that? Why do you think they're less than yours? What is it about yours that's better? I can't form an opinion yet because I'm in your living room. I haven't even looked around the rest of the house yet. So you, you're getting down to that price conversation very early on, which I think is a nice position to be in. And that's, that's what they want to know, ultimately. So we're, we're in the living room now. Um, you've hopefully created that great first impression. Interestingly enough, I was, I was going to ask you what you did on your follow-up because I couldn't remember that it was you that hand-delivered it, but I just remember that we spoke to someone on the podcast that had said about hand-delivering it. And um, I think that's a really nice way of, of standing out. But you're in the living room, you've created the first impression. Um, what is the step-by-step? So you said about setting an agenda. What was your typical agenda? And what do you think the best agents do from you know, the first, let's say the, let's say the first 10 minutes of the, of the appointment? 
So on that initial phone call, you've already kind of set the agenda. You, you've said, look, this is what to expect from your appraisal. This is how long it's going to take. And this is what the order is going to be. And then you reconfirm that at the front door, basically. So, you, you know, taking your shoes off, being polite and saying, right, as discussed on the phone, if you wouldn't mind if we take five minutes to sit down in the living room, because I need to understand fully everything about you, because it's you and then the property in that order, not the other way around, which I think a lot of people get wrong. Um, yeah. you have a chat with him and, and, and at that point you're asking those open questions just just clarifying what you discussed on the phone because if you're repeating what they told you so looking to downsize looking to relocate xyz they're going ah oh, he did listen he wrote it down he's repeating it's a bit like going to um let, let's say now you're at pizza hut i love pizza analogies and the waiter gives the order back to you says so mark you ordered xyz is that correct you know they've listened, they repeat it back to you. You've got more confidence in them than if they just walked off and thinking, I'm not too sure if I'm going to get the right order here or not. So it's setting that scenario um, with them. And then I'd just be saying, look, if you could kindly show me around the property, then what I usually like to do is have another look around on my own, if that's okay, because I want to make sure I've seen everything I need to, to just make sure I give you the best advice possible. And then we'll sit down again in the living room and we'll have a chat about price, marketing, and then the investment in our services. So again, key there. Um, and I've discussed this recently um, with the rest of the team, never talking about cost or fees. It's an investment in your services. I think it's a very powerful thing because they want to get a return on it. Yeah, I, really, I really like that. That's, you know, we talk regularly on this, this show about language. I think that is really, um, that's a fantastic way to refer about your service. I'm going to, and just write that down so I can share that with our team here because I think that is that is really, really powerful. Um, one thing that you talked about and I think is really important within that is that reconfirming the information that they've given you. Regularly people in this um, in this industry, at the very top of the industry, talk about you've got two ears and one mouth and there's a reason for it. That demonstrates to the client that you have you know, listen to them, you've taken all of that on board. And as you say, it also gets them nod nodding very early on in that yeah. um, appointment so that you, you're bringing them on side. So you've had the tour, you're sitting down, what order do you talk about um, valuation, um, services, and then investment in the services? What order do you do that? Is that the same for every client? And I know we're talking here, um, perfect world, and some yeah. clients are different and you have to adapt your pitch which I hate, I hate as a term, but it is yeah. you know, ultimately a pitch. You have to adapt your pitch accordingly. Um, but what order do you think is the best order to do it in? I would definitely say that four or five years ago, when I, um, when I was in my earlier days of, of management and appraisals, I definitely had an order. I was very, very structured and robotic. Um, but that definitely changed two and a half years ago, um, which I'll come back to in a second, because just actually I want to go back to a point you made, Mark, of about listening two ears one mouth because it's just stuck in my head and I sat up in my chair when you said it and I think a lot of people are guilty of listening to respond rather than listening to understand and that's really really important yeah. in appraisal listening to someone to understand their needs their wants their motivations not just listening to them and thinking okay what's my next question off the back of this so just listening to understand and to take that the reason I just thought back to that as well was I did some training with Matt Giggs um little plug there for Matt um, two and a half years ago and I was very much always robotic structured stats figures analytical and Matt had kind of just said to me you just need to forget all that 
you need to go into an appraisal like you don't know that area and just build a relationship with someone because if they like you trust you the rest of it will come and again i sat up in that meeting i have and was like that's so true and that was probably early 2018 and the next 18 months saw some of the best results i'd had as a branch manager so i forgot the structure i would say but yes it's still part of it where you show them you know comparable information this is you know what do you think of this property in comparison to yours start with a low one to puncture expectations then go with a high one to show them that they're being crazy if they think it's going to get that and then end with the one you think is most comparable um i think i've been speaking to an agent who's just entered the industry recently and i've kind of said make sure you never say like in my opinion it's the market suggests the evidence suggests so you're kind of holding yourself uh, less accountable to if it doesn't necessarily get that price um yeah but yeah, I think that's a great way to, to put it and, and put the ball back in airport and say, what do you think? What do you think of the information in front of us? Now, some people will just bluntly say, well, that's what I've got you here for. Um, one one uh, gentleman I used to work with, he actually used to write down a figure on his piece of paper. And, he, and when he used to ask that question and they go, well, that's what I've got you here for. He'd go, he'd have his hand over the paper and he'd go, no, I've, I've written down what I think. And then to play a bit of a game with him, it sounds stupid, but he'd go, no, go on. What do, you, what do you think? And then he go, look, that's my price. He said, I can't change it. I'm not a magician. I wrote down what I think. And he's just getting what they say. And actually, he had one of the better conversion rates and one of the best average fees in the company. Um, so it wasn't a technique that I, <laughs> I said. Really but yeah, it, it works because people, uh, people remembered him. Um, I actually remember being on an appraisal half a dozen years ago with a very sporty um, owner. And I was having another tour of the property and he was outside in the garden with his kids, drop kicking a rugby ball into, you know, the trampoline that has a net around it. Yeah. You're thinking, where the hell is this story going? And I went out and I said, right, I've seen, I've seen everything I need to. And then we started chatting about fee casually in the garden, hot summer's days in shorts and t-shirt. I actually said to him, I was like, right, if I can drop kick this ball into the trampoline net, you'll, you'll pay me the fee. And if I don't, then we'll go with your fee. And he's like, go on then. So I drop kicked it, missed completely, looked like an idiot. But he said, I rate that you've actually done that. So here's what we'll do. How about we meet in the middle between our fees? So again, it's showing that personality, I think, on the appointment and showing that you're different. Because I think in the state agency, we all get that rep as, well, you're all the same. Why would I pay you more money than the other guy? So it's showing that you are different. You offer value, you offer personality and not just that robot, really. <laughs> what I was thinking then was actually I've got a rubber wall and a trampoline in my garden at the moment and if an estate agent came down round to my house and did that, I would probably think oh, well that, that, that's different but what you're going back to is what you talked about is build, building the relationship you know there's various different ways that you can do it you amend that you know you wouldn't do that with you know a certain type of client but maybe that that type of client it was perfect for and obviously led to you to you getting the business um I really like the market suggests, the evidence suggests, takes you out of it because the valuation is certainly one area where as agents we can lose the instruction. Do you talk valuation figures before you talk investment in your services or do you leave the valuation figure at the very end? Because I've been talking to our agents and this differs from valuer to valuer. And actually, it's not even with some of the companies that I work with, it's not even the same throughout the company, which is really interesting because it's just 
comes down to personal preference. I've got some pretty strong opinions on it, but, but which way around did you do it? Again, I'd say it would vary from appointment to appointment. It's, it's reading the room and understanding the person in front of you, but I'd always try and make it clear from the start of any conversation we're not the cheapest agent like we're re- you know we're reassuringly expensive like you are going to get the best service and that does that does mean you need to pay more of an investment to us um for that so you've already set the scene um and when you've gone through comparables and marketing i'd then sort of ask that question can you see why we're reassuringly expensive and you kind of yeah drop your voice a little bit there and they go yeah i do i do get why you're more expensive go on then what's the damage so it's again it 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 opens it up it's it's less kind of um formal and you're like well the damage is x but what you do as well is if you were saying your fee was um two percent and don't get me wrong i wish i could have got two percent averages but if you (laughs) if you say the investment in my services is 2% plus VAT to sell your house for £500,000. It sounds stupid, but you've actually just given them a really, really small figure next to a large figure. So it makes the investment in services sound a lot less money. If you just said it's 2%, they're going to go, that's a lot. The other guy's 1%. But if you said 2% investment, if I sell your house at £500,000 or when I sell your house at £500,000, it makes it sound better value for money putting a small figure next to a bigger figure. Um, little trick of the trade here might not be the not might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I used to use a smaller font when I'd quote the fee in the letter, so it appeared smaller on the paper. Nice. Uh, good, so, good, good idea. Yeah. So again, one point five percent plus VAT or whatever it is at a sale price of five hundred thousand. So again, smaller font, and because you've quoted a smaller number next to a bigger number in bigger font, but only delicately, so it's not blatantly obvious again it would help and it's all those tricks and sort of lessons and learnings i'd say particularly over the last two years of my branch management speaking to the likes of again a matt gigs stephen brown john paul perry power yourself sam listening to those podcasts it's putting all those things into practice isn't it it's having those processes learnings but then implementing them i think a lot of people are good at learning myself included but not implementing stuff um so implementation is key um but yeah doing all those things helped me increase uh conversion and at the end of the day more revenue more profit so yeah i, th- I think whenever you listen to a podcast or you go to a training session or, or anything like that <clears throat> you want to get most people say if they get one thing out of it it's been a useful um it's been it's been a good use of their time and i think what you just said over the last two or three minutes Investment in services, the market suggests, the evidence suggests, putting the price against, putting the price, sorry, the investment in your services against the price of the property and putting it in a smaller font. Their key takeaway is that someone could literally go and implement in their business, you know, the minute after listening to this podcast. That's, that's awesome. Thank you very much. My opinion on price agenda and where that set is, I've always been of the opinion that you should leave the valuation of the property to the end of the meeting. Now, I had this discussion in length with um, an agent of ours who said, well, if that's all they want to hear, then they're not listening to you until they hear that price. I would argue differently. And my opinion is, if you give them the valuation price 
at the start of the pitch. So absolutely right. You you sit down at first, you talk about them, you talk about their motivation, their why, and you then have the tour of the house and you still build a report. You come back and you start um, to get down to the business of it. If at that stage you talk about the valuation price and you get the valuation wrong, because we can all get it wrong, you know, and maybe you use some of those techniques that you just talked about, it becomes less personal about getting it wrong. But ultimately, if you get that valuation wrong, you could potentially have lost that instruction before you've even had a chance to pitch, before you've had a chance to talk about your services. So the way that I've always preferred to do it is when we sit back down, we confirm what we've just talked about, then it's about us and the service that we can offer to help that client achieve the goals that they've just told you that they've got. Then it's the new term within my language, investment in my services. And then it's the valuation of the home. Because if you keep the thing that they want to know most until the very end, in my opinion, you'll keep their attention. And hopefully they're already 90, 95% of the way to instructing you before you give them the valuation price. What are your, what are your views on, on that? Yeah, I, 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 I like that. And part of me is going... Ah, I, w- I wish I was still uh, an agent so I can go like, <laughs> t- test out that theory. I like the bit that you said, partic- the, the f- final point there of they want to know what their house is worth and you're leaving that to the end. So they're going to be listening intently, waiting for that information. So as long as you present it in the right manner um, and you, yeah, like you said, you're keeping their attention because I think <sighs> loads of agents would be guilty of it, myself included over the years, where you come out of a market appraisal and you've just gone through a presenter and you've literally pitched at them and they've not spoken. You come out and go, wow, that was amazing. They listened to everything I said. Actually, I switched off after the first page because you're just showing them a presenter and they're like, I don't care what's in it for me. I don't care about, you know, all these different things. So that's really, that, that is really, really interesting. The, if I was playing devil's advocate, one thing I used to have, particularly with clients who wanted too much money for their home, because who doesn't, it'd be talking about sliding scale fees. So if I've said they're worth 450 and they're going, I was actually hoping for 500, I could then have a discussion after that about investment in services slash fees and go, okay, well, would you agree then if we are able to achieve you that kind of unicorn price, we're not too sure if it exists or not, the 500,000, you'll pay us and reward us for that. But if we only achieve what the market is suggesting, then yes, we'll, we're only worth X. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I might, I might have to um, go and do some dummy appraisals. <laughs> might have to get back on the tools. <laughs> so, um, so follow follow up process. Um, how have you um, closed the valuation, and what do you then do in the days and weeks after that? So very bluntly, on the appraisal again, reading the room, but just asking for the business. Are, are, are Simple, you, right? Yeah, just a closed question. Are you happy to go ahead? L- literally like that. And the amount of times that you ask that question and people go, yeah, go on then. Um, and you're like, <laughs> oh, wow, I can't believe it was that simple because you've had the process and structure. You've done an amazing pre-appraisal, great appraisal. And then you just ask that simple question because you've earned the right to do it. You've literally earned, you've earned the right. Um, I think Sam might have said it on a podcast before, but it's, it's like you don't just go in on a first date and ask someone to marry you, right? But 
with this, you earned the right to then ask them to marry you or ask for their um, ask their permission yeah. to market their home because you've done all you've had that first, second, third, fourth, fifth date, etc. Um, so yeah, just asking that question. Um, if they're not if they're not ready, they go oh, well. I need to speak to my other half or whatever. Um, again, there's objection handling techniques for that. I mean, that's a whole another conversation. But I just used to make sure that I'd put in my paper diary in the CRM. Right, I need to make sure that I follow up with them in a timely manner. Um, I, I'd always make sure that I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. So if I say to them, okay, appreciate, you need to speak to the missus, and that's Friday evening, what I'll do is I'll put a note in my diary to call you Monday at 10 o'clock and then ring them Monday, 10 o'clock. So you build that trust there. Because they're like, he said he'd ring me at 10, he rang me at 10. So if you're not going to get it there yeah. and then, just do what you say you're going to do. If I say that I'm going to have a market appraisal um, letter, PDF, whatever it is, emailed to them by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Again, under promising, over delivering, you then send it to them at seven o'clock that night. They're going, wow, he sent it to me at seven at night. He told me he'd have it with me at nine in the morning. It's all basic stuff, but I think it really does help. Yeah, I <clears throat> I, I completely agree in the in the fault. The asking for the business, if I'm being perfectly honest, was probably the worst part. Probably, maybe, maybe even still is the worst part of my <laughs> skill set. Um, yeah. I am, I'm not, I'm not very good at it. <clears throat> I've actually developed a way of <laughs> maybe getting around it. But that, um, what you said. So, shall we go ahead then? For me, is just straight to the point. I really like the fact that you said that you've earned it. But the most important thing after you've said it is to shut up. Yeah, uh-huh. you know. Um, you know, one of the things that um, my stepdad who runs the financial services here says is the next person to talk dead. Yeah. And by that, he means once you've asked, shut up because they, if you talk next, you don't get the business. If they talk next, the business is you know, more than likely going to be yours. Um, we, we actually offer a range of services now, Simon. So we use a bit of an assumptive close on the basis of it's not, do you want to, um, use me to sell your house. It's how do you want to use me to sell your house? And that's really quite a nice way of softening that um, that that question at the end. How did you follow up? Was it a report? Was it a email? And then obviously the phone. You, you've got to, You've got to use the phone. So I'd make sure that they had an email from me the same day, which sometimes meant some very late nights. If you've done four or five appraisals that day, um, but I thought, do you yeah. know what? Ninety nine percent of the time the other agents are not going to send an email the other day because if that market appraisal was at five o'clock at night they're going home having dinner getting to the office at nine o'clock the next day maybe and then might just email it then so if i'm 12 hours ahead of them i'm one the lot there in my opinion what i'd also try and do but admit i didn't do this enough was again like the pre-appraisal just hand deliver a letter through the door try and do it same day and if you can't because that was late at night next day when someone's out on the road, it'd be like, ah, you've got a viewing in that village. Whilst you're out there, pop this through the door. So there's no stamp on it. You write by hand and then bang through the door. So again, they're going, okay, so he's hand-delivered something before the appraisal. He's hand-delivered it after the appraisal. He's told me he offers an exceptional service and he's going to charge more money. I get why, because the other agent only just managed to get there on time, didn't send in a pre-appraisal. They haven't followed up yet. Um, and then, yeah, it'd be putting a note in a diary of if you said you're going to call them at 10 a.m. on the Monday, ring them when you say you're going to. You're demonstrating to them that you are reassuringly expensive. Um, an idea that I've had that I've never implemented, actually, is that 
a creator, if, particularly if you are just meeting one member of the um, decision-making process. So you go and meet him or you go and meet her and the, you, you get that typical, I'm going to discuss with my, with my partner. Um, during lockdown, I thought maybe you could do a Zoom follow-up call to go through it with them. We haven't implemented that, incidentally. Um, I've tried to have a couple of Zoom calls with a, a lot of our clients um, in the early days when we came out of lockdown. And I suppose not everyone is as comfortable as Zoom as, as maybe we, we, we think they are because we're using it every day. But that would be a good way of doing it. Another way of, of doing it, I, I've always thought, is when you're in that living room talking to them, making sure that you get both um, decision makers' contact details, yeah. create a WhatsApp group, and then when you're sat in your car um, outside after the appraisal, quick video, thanking them for the time, introducing yourself to the member of um, the decision um, making process that you've not spoken to and keep confirming the valuation, the, the investment in your services, and then you know talking through that you will be ringing them on Monday at 10 o'clock. I think that's something that agents could do really easily, open a form of communication with um, both parties in the, in the transaction, and then you can drop your valuation letter in there, your, your, whatever your follow-up process is. I think that's a really effective way of making the relationship very, very personal. 100%. I completely agree with that. And if I had my time again, if I was an, a, an, an agent now, I would record a video before that appraisal, record a video afterwards, like you're saying, because it's so personalized. People love to, and I say this all the time with agents, I'm like a broken record, but people love to hear their name or see their name, particularly if it's spelt correctly when they're used to getting it spelt <laughs> incorrectly. Um, so if you you know send a video, you know, hi, Mr. Borrell, hi, Mark, really looking forward to meeting you tomorrow. Um, any questions at all get in contact and then afterwards hi mark it was a pleasure to meet you and then you know you and i'd have a joke about football etc and you maybe just put a link in that video as well to your diary and say look i appreciate mrs worrell couldn't be there but here's a link to my diary so if you want to jump on a zoom call at any time you just click here and you can book in five minutes for me because like you said i could deliver the most amazing presentation in the world to you and then that night you and mrs worrell are having a chat and you go, well, Simon said 500 and 2%. The other agent said 500 and he was 1%. And Mrs. Royal will go, yeah. well, we're going 1%, aren't we? Because she wasn't there exactly. in the presentation. So you're absolutely spot on that you want to get, obviously, both decision makers in the room at the same time. But if you can't, do pre-video, do follow-up video, address the other person who's not been there and say, sorry, I couldn't meet you. But if you want to jump on a Zoom call, click this link. I think that's seriously powerful. And then all of those points about hand um, hand delivering this and doing what you said you're going to do is demonstrating why, as you said, you're reassuringly expensive. Awesome. Um, I think this chat, Simon, um, probably exceeded my expectations. We had a really good chat. I was late for my tea because of it uh, last week, but this chat's really exceeded it. Um, so last time you came on, you answered the question that we we ask everybody. Um, you might not remember, but I've um, I've done my research and you told us that your opinion of world-class agency was getting clients to their desired outcomes with as little stress as possible. So over the last year, has your opinion on world-class agency changed? And if not, what is your opinion on what it takes personally to become a world-class agent? I like, I like that answer that I gave before. I didn't remember <laughs> Yeah, I did as well. When I, when I heard it back, when I, heard it back I, I did think... It's probably just going to say the same thing because it's really difficult to disagree with getting clients to the desired outcome with as little stress as possible is world-class agency. 
So I'm assuming that your opinion hasn't changed on that. Well, I'm going to approach it actually from a slightly different angle. So yeah, last time getting clients their desired outcome with as little stress as possible. So I think that's world-class agency from the outcome that's going to be delivered or achieved for the client. If I look at it actually from a different point of view now and look at it from the agent point of view, I have spoken to literally hundreds, if not thousands of agents over the last eight months, having come and worked yeah. at home search and the best agents I think are the ones who continuously learn and want to get better. So particularly people yeah. who've been on this podcast as well, you've had Michael Bailey and Mike Nettleton on recently from Not Dyson and both of them said similar things. They're always looking to improve, you know, Michael with his uh, mentor um, and Mike Nettleton with all his experience going on different, you know, training courses, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. always looking to get better and learning from others, I would say is world-class agency. I, could, I couldn't agree more, absolutely, and very eloquently put. Simon, thank you very much um, for your time. Um, as you know, we do this because we love our industry, and Simon loves his industry as well, I'm sure. You can probably tell from the passion that he spoke with, with today. Um, if you do like what you, what you hear, please share it out on, on social media. Um, as I said at the start of the show, I, I didn't have a plan for um, when Sam was going to be off for paternity leave. We had Michael Bailey um, already recorded, so we were always going to um, be all right. But if we do have any other listeners to the show who want to come on and talk, as Sam and I have talked, particularly about the um, marketing appraisal process today, if somebody wants to come on and, and talk in depth, maybe about the offer process or um, registering applicants, some real sort of tangible takeaways for listeners today, I think. And so Simon, thank you very much um, once again. I'm Matt Wall. Today he's been Simon Gates. We will see you again next week. Thanks very much for listening.